Prescriptions are expensive. The average cost per person in the U.S. is $1,300 per year. Wild, right? But did you know that you could be saving up to 80% off on generic drugs? Advisory Health, a woman-owned prescription saving platform, is on a mission to make your medications accessible and affordable. All you have to do is download the app to get your digital health savings card and show it at your local pharmacy. And you can even use the discount card for your whole family, including your fur babies. No coupons, no discount codes, and no health insurance required. Go to visoryhealth.com. That's V-I-S-O-R-Y health.com to start saving today. This is Curlboss Radio with me, Avery, your host, and the founder and CEO of the Workplace Design Consultancy, Bloom, and a firm believer that works your work for all of us. Today, I'm joined by Maitreyi Ramakrishnan, the 21-year-old acting powerhouse and star of Netflix's Never Have I Ever. As if leading a hit Netflix show isn't impressive enough, her role as Davy was her first acting gig ever. As a high school senior with an acting passion, Maitreyi submitted a tape to Mindy Kaling's open casting call for the series. She beat out 15,000 other candidates for the role and has delivered a memorable, comedic, and authentic performance over the show's last four seasons. We chatted about how her high school experience in Mississauga, Canada, close to where I'm from, was very different from Davies, the importance of having a tight inner circle to keep you grounded, and her biggest lessons from Never Have I Ever as the show comes to an end. Let's get into it. My Trey, thank you so much for joining us at Girl Boss Radio today. I am very excited to have this conversation. First and foremost, how are you feeling today? I'm good. Honestly, I'm a little jet lagged, but we're chilling. We're thriving. Where are you right now? Why are you jet lagged? I'm curious. Right now, I'm in New York. Just came from LA. So it's like, you know, I lose the hours. So that always trips me up, but it's all good. I travel a lot. I have not mastered the whole jet lag thing. Maybe for folks listening, do you do anything to try to mitigate your jet lag or do you just roll with it? I don't have anything that I do. I wish. I just suffer. Yes. I actually tweeted about this today. I was like, the good and bad news is, and I'm sure a million people have already said this, nothing lasts forever. So (laughs) it's good news and bad news. Okay. Well, I'm really excited to explore your career background. I think that people see hyper successful people like you that are in the public eye. I don't know that I count as one of those people. A hundred percent you do. A hundred percent. It's so cool to uncover the background, right? The person behind this really, really impressive career. So before we get into that, I'm curious, what did you always aspire to when you used to think about what I want to be when I grew up? What was that? Well, when I was 10 was when I decided I wanted to be an animator. I wanted to work for Pixar. I wanted to animate. It'd be like one small part of a whole animated movie. But then before that, I think my first job that I actually wanted to be was a unicorn when I was in kindergarten. Standard. (laughs) Yeah, standard stuff. My mom did get me a unicorn Halloween costume and it was dope. I also wanted to be a vet. So it was a rocky road to get to animator. And then that also fell through. So here we are. Yes. And so I know because I've done a ton of research ahead of our conversation. But for folks listening, like why did the dream of becoming an animator fall through for you? I don't have the patience. I don't have the dedication. And I admire animators so much for being able to do it. I couldn't. I got to have something where like my job every day is different. I get that through acting. But 
Damn. I, I couldn't. I really wanted to. I really did. But I like acting better for me personally. Yeah, I think that that happens. Like we have evolutions. I mean, also the unicorn dream fell through as well. So do you consume a lot of shows on Netflix other than your own? Yes. If I could not consume watching my own face, I would. I do enjoy watching Never Have I Ever. But I do. I watch a lot of the animation and anime series and docudramas and all that. Yeah. Okay. So what is like your go-to binge watch right now on Netflix? Other than Never Have I Ever. Hmm. Go-to binge watch? Probably BoJack Horseman. I love re-watching episodes of Black Mirror. I'm saying that because a new season's going to drop soon. I can't wait. I know that's going to be a binge. That's going to be my next binge. That's a heavy thing to go back to, which I like. With Black Mirror, I'm looking forward to watching it because I'm going to be looking into the barrel of like what to expect for the next like five to ten years. Yeah. Well, after we binge it, we can just curl into a hole and feel sad. Remember that nothing lasts forever and we're done. Yeah. So speaking of jobs, what was your first ever job? Never have I ever. Really? Yeah, man. I know. It sounds like so, so conceited. So lucky, but also awesome. I am very, very fortunate and it is very, very awesome. Very privileged. I always wanted a part-time job in high school and stuff, but I did a lot of extracurriculars after school after school theater. And then I had like band, vocal ensemble, all that goodness. So I didn't have time to do a part-time job right away after school. And I wanted to do like piano lessons. I wanted to teach people piano, but it didn't work out. And then never have I ever worked out. Yeah. And I mean, never have I ever like, although obviously an amazing opportunity as a first job, that's a lot of pressure for a first job. Yeah. It is. I definitely like remembering that people all around the world will see your face. I remember thinking, even if the show isn't a hit, when you Google up my name, the first thing that will come up will be never have I ever at least a deadline article. Let's say I hated acting after season one. I would like walk away from it. And then if I applied to like any job or whatever, and they Google me up, it'd find like weird footage of this weird like little indie show. I don't know the struggles of working retail or working in the food industry. And yet again, very privileged. Oh my gosh, it's so hard. I worked in retail for a long time prior to starting my own business. But then also I worked as a server for I think a month and I got brutally fired. Great red flag when people are rude to waiters. Yes, 100%. That's a red banner. Oh, 100%. A banner. I like that. The red banners. Yeah, we need to evolve from the red flag. Flag ain't enough. We want to just keep going bigger and bigger. Red Times Square screen. The red billboard. Yes, I agree. I really want to learn a little bit more about your high school experience. What I like about Davey is that there's like a big concentration around her educational like school experience. And I'm curious, what's similar between her experience and your own? But then what was really different? Because I know where you grew up is that I don't know if you would have come into a lot of the issues around like the lack of representation. I could be wrong, though. Exactly. Yes, yes. And it helps that like you understand the vibe of where I grew up because Davy's whole plot with Anissa being this one other brown girl that Davy meets, I never experienced that because like I had really strong diversity growing up in school, which I'm very, very thankful for because I think it's definitely shaped me into the person that I am. I was not nearly as boy crazy as Davey was in high school. I was like a one guy kind of gal. 
liked one person all the way through and I was happy with that. I didn't want the love life drama in that way. Do you still like that person? Oh, God, no, no, no. We're chilling. We're chilling. <laughs> We're friends. But I didn't have as much of a messy life as Davey did for romance. Davey definitely cared way more about grades than I did. I also pretty much only took art courses. As soon as they could drop my sciences, they were gone. So in those ways, we were very different. But I will say similarities to Davy would be the reasons why we all feel seen by her character. It's recognizing that, you know, you feel a lot of emotions. It's recognizing that you're not self-confident and you don't like who you are. It's knowing that you're not comfortable with silence and sitting by yourself. All those things are definitely myself as well. But I think that's pretty universal because that's why we root for her, despite her tragic mistakes. Yeah, I think that a lot of us can relate to Davy because we've all, for the most part, people have gone through an educational experience where they're in high school and they're like trying to figure out who they are, but they just that you just don't know who you are. That's for anyone, not even like high school journey. Most people don't know who they are. And they also like most people don't like themselves. They self-doubt and they self-sabotage, whether you're in high school or you're a grown adult. Oh, my gosh. I was watching it. I remember in the heat of the pandemic watching Davy and being like, damn, <laughs> the sad news is nothing changes. <laughs> nothing is forever and nothing changes. What I found was interesting, too, is that like you transitioned right from high school to this being your first job playing Davy on Never Have I Ever, which is like wild. How have you managed to maintain a sense of normalcy and stability in your personal life while juggling your acting career in this massive shift? I mean, two weeks out of high school, I was in L.A. getting ready to film, which is so wild. I think I soaked up that moment when it was happening, but still just it's baffling, right? It's what would, I don't know, be a plot of like a really entertaining movie. But alas, it was my life. I think keeping that sense of normalcy, though, that's a big credit to my family, my friends, just back home in Mississauga who know me, who know who I am. And also the fact that the show came out in the pandemic kind of helped because I got like kind of a slower start into press and the typical Hollywood life. I mean, con, I didn't get to do all those fun, crazy things right off the bat. Pro, I didn't get thrusted into like events after events and like learn how to do all of that right away. It was a little bit of a slower time. Are there times where I'm like, damn, I wish I got to do that before. Like, oh, why am I doing this so late? But I'm also, I also remind myself like I'm only four years into my career and that is totally okay. Like it's not too, too late. It's a good thing that you got to have that time to be yourself, be with your family, your friends. And then now you're doing it but with a more wise head on your shoulders. And what were your high school friends like? You're like, see everyone, I'm going to LA and I'm going to be hanging out with Mindy Kaling. Our rap party for season one, after we were finished filming, it was at a club and I had to wear like a bracelet that showed I was underage so no one would give me alcohol. And I remember I snapped my friends back home and I was like, oh my God, guys, I'm at my first club and it's with Mindy Kaling. It's just so nerdy. You know what? I respect it. 17-year-old me, you do you, boo. Whatever makes you happy. But my high school friends, they're the coolest. I mean, some of them are still my closest friends. And yeah, I mean, even that lovely high school crush is still one of my bestest friends today. I got a good bunch of 
them that still are so true to who they are. But also, like, call me out and know who I am. They're like, okay, cool. Like, that's Mindy. But they're never like, oh, my God, are you going to meet this person? That's so cool. Oh, my God. Wow. They're like, oh, like, dope. Because to them, they're they're always reminding me, yo, my Trey, that person's also meeting you. And that's dope. Yeah, I think that's so important that you have people that are like keeping you grounded, but also hyping you up. Have you made new friends? I think about we're both from Toronto adjacent, right? The six, if you will. Drake's no new friends. (laughs) I definitely have. And not just actors. I will say, and I'm sure you can attest to this as well, entering adulthood, regardless of what industry you're in, it's harder to make friends and the circle gets smaller and smaller. But yeah, I definitely have made some really good connections. Has it been harder than when I was like in school? Yeah. But that's also because I recognize, I think in school, half of the friends you make are proximity friends. It does make me value friendship a lot more. And it makes me really appreciate and show my friends that I have immense gratitude for their existence and their roles in my life. I love that. What you're talking about, a lot of people struggle with. What advice do you have for folks listening that are like, I want to make new friends. How do I actually go about that? But within your industry, I think it's about finding relationships that you understand are professional. You can separate the ones that are professional. And if you are going to make it like a more personal friendship, you can have boundaries too. That's what I've learned as a young adult. I thought boundaries was kind of a bad thing as in like, oh, that means like we're not open and we can't spill blood for each other and like ride or die. You can have a ride or die with boundaries and might be more so ride or die because of that. And you respect each other because you understand each other's boundaries and that's okay. Boundaries are cool. I think that's dope. And I love my friends. Yeah. And boundaries don't have to be anything deep. They can be just small things too. And that's okay. So what's an example of a boundary that you have when like making new friends? As simple as like, hey, I'm not comfortable hanging out all the time. I need like time for myself. This is something that I need for me. And that's cool. You don't need to slave away for a new friendship and like give your whole soul. If you give your whole soul, then you're not being a person yourself. It's the same as romantic relationships. You can't be in one until you like yourself or until you're confident in yourself. And you know what you want, right? If you're just always down to hang with your social batteries in the negatives, then you're probably going to be a drag to be around with, to be honest. I also think a big part of friendships is you have to really be friends with yourself first. Because if you're not friends with yourself first, you're going to start thinking everyone hates you. Yes. And you know what? I think that's so important because I think we talk a lot about this with romantic relationships. but We don't talk a lot about this when it comes to our friendships and or parasocial relationships, social media friends. 100% the social media friends. See, that's something I have a boundary with. I used to, I guess, say like, oh, we're like social media friends or even say just like, oh, we're acquaintances. Like, oh, we've just messaged, but I've never like met them in person. Like I'm a fan of their work. There's definitely more of a boundary there. And it's not because of anything malicious. It's not because I'm not saying I don't want to get to know that person more. It's just I'm keeping it real and not over romanticizing what is happening here. There's nothing worse when you meet someone in person and you've been vibing like via social media for a long time and they're like not the same person. You're like, whoa, you're just a really great writer. (laughs) It's so awkward. (laughs) I will say one of my red flags when I hang out with someone 
is if the first time we hang out, if you pull up your phone and we're like, oh my God, let's take a selfie. Like, like let me post this. That'd be just kind of odd. You know, even like taking the picture, that's fine. But if like, if I'm on the story the first day we hang, something about it is off for me. I feel that. I feel that. I know what you mean. Did you know that your skin loses essential moisture overnight? So if you're not using the right products, your precious complexion isn't getting the TLC it deserves. Good thing One Kind's Dream Cream helps your skin repair while you snooze. Thanks to plant-based squalene and rosehip oil, you'll wake up with visibly smoother, brighter, and more hydrated skin. The results-driven cream is made for all ages and skin types. Yes, even the most sensitive. Plus, it smells divine with notes of chamomile, lavender, and rose. But wait, there's more. We've got an exclusive offer just for you. Get a free, yes free, full-size dream cream, a $40 value with code BOSS at onekind.us slash girlboss. There's no catch. All you have to do is pay shipping and handling. That's onekind.us slash girlboss. You're listening to my chat with my tree, the star of Netflix's Never Have I Ever. Next up, we talk about how her overnight stardom impacted her relationships. Let's get back into it. Do you feel like a part of you has to be a little bit more discerning, if you will, when making new friendships now because of the level of fame that you've achieved? This might sound kind of like conceited and like pompous, but definitely, yeah. That's something that hasn't changed. That's something that like made me kind of honestly like sad back when I was 17 because like, yeah, you kind of worry every single time you meet someone because you also you don't know how they're going to react to like fame. It's hard because like you just want like a real friendship and you don't know if they're texting all of their other friends after you hang out like, oh my God, guess who I just hung out with? Especially if they're in the industry and another creative person, that doubt in your head comes up of like, oh, what if they're just trying to like use you to get to somebody else or whatever it is. I worry about that for like my family. When people just talk up my family, talk up my bro, talk up my cousins or even like my friends just to get near me. I mean, like I can provide you with a good laugh, but the thought of people using my like loved ones like that, and doesn't even ick me. Like that makes me like actually pissed. And I absolutely shut that down for sure. But unfortunately, yes. I even one time, my last boyfriend before Never Have I Ever came out in season one in 2020, the last boyfriend before that happened, I like freaked out because I was like, oh my God. This is the last time I might need someone who can't Google me up and like know more about me before I know about them. Well, that's the thing. I met someone really charming this past weekend and I had a very similar experience where they were like, can I get your IG? And I was like, I'll just give you my number. And they're like, why not your IG? And I'm like, I don't have a ton of followers, but I like talk about race and power and privilege, like heavy stuff on my Instagram. And I share a lot about my opinions, things that a lot of people shy away from, right? Like I'm sharing my soul. But I was like, I don't want you to know this about me yet. I want you to like know that I'm not this like very intense, highly activated person. These are my opinions, right? I want them to find out my favorite ice cream flavor because they asked and because they noticed. Yes, yes, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And also I think that too, it holds a lot of space for them to come up to so many conclusions about you before even giving you the opportunity to like explore each other together. And I experience this on a very small scale. I'm not a celebrity. I have like 
80,000 followers and losing. And I didn't want to be an influencer. It just happened overnight because I posted a couple things that different celebrities had reposted during a time when things were really rocky in 2020. I'm really grateful for the very small platform that I have. But at the same time, I couldn't imagine being in a situation or in a position like yours. How do you do that at scale? You're only one person. Yeah, for me, I mean, I'd rather have people try to use me to my face. (laughs) If possible. So I'm curious, you mentioned social media, and I know it's played a significant role in your rise to fame, allowing you to like connect with fans and share your experiences, which I love. How do you handle the positives and negatives of social media? And what advice do you give to young people that are navigating this digital landscape with all these parasocial relationships? For me, yeah, social media, you know, you kind of got to play the game. It's interesting because all the celebrities that don't do social media, for the most part, are all either super, super big or they're older of a different generation. So people know who they are. They don't need it. But for a lot of celebrities, they do the social media game because it does help the brand. And it is kind of so normalized in society that you need it. It's a weird, sick cycle where we contribute to the comparison, judge each other's amazing, glamorous lives in the lens of a good old Instagram feed. It's not fun, but I do try to find my joy in it. I try to post things that make me happy, things that are just me being me as much as I can. And I also remember that I, too, am just a part of making everything look nice within frame and everything outside of the frame is unseen. I do like to focus on the fact that I get to interact with fans. That's pretty nifty. Whether it's like seeing fan art or different like edits that fans make, that's cool. I like that. But then the negatives, because, you know, everyone has their haters. I try to ignore that. I don't scope it out. I used to. I used to scope out the negative because I was like, I need to know how to fix myself and I need to know what problems people have with me. Now I don't care. To be honest, most of those people who have negative things to say are either probably projecting out of insecurity and also might just be going through their own thing. And I don't hate them for that. Like, that's okay. I couldn't imagine what they're going through and I could never know. So I'll just give them benefit of the doubt and empathy. And some of the things that they might be saying might be like legit real criticism about, let's say, never have I ever or about the project, not necessarily me as a person. I can't take that personally. I don't need everyone to like me. That's fine. I think that it's sad that you have to go through that. But I think that hopefully the positive outweighs the negative. Mm hmm. We all make mistakes. We're all learning and growing. I'm sure one day I'm going to hear back something I said and be like, oh, that was kind of ignorant of me. That's called being a human being. One of the reasons why I love doing this podcast is I meet people that I know from afar and not know I'm aware of from afar. And I have like very strongly held opinions about them. And I don't know these people and really great kind of aha moment. I don't know if you watch Love is Blind. Yes. Okay. Deep D. I had like issues with Deep D. She knows this because we had a conversation, we had an interview. And when I found out she was going to be on the podcast, I was like, I kind of like gave the production team a little bit of hassle. And I was like, I don't understand why we're having a conversation with her. We spoke about this openly on the episode with her. But it's interesting. A lot of the things that I disliked about Deep D were things that I either disliked about myself as a racialized woman dating. And it made me feel like she was like showing my ass. And I think that sometimes like we women that are racialized, we hold each other to a much higher standard because we're like, you are there, like, make sure you do us all the service you need. But that's impossible. No one could do that. Trust me, I get it. After season one, so many brown girls who are like, oh, wow, let us down again. Like, great. Another piece of brown representation that just flops. 
and I say so many, but really it wasn't that many. At the time, it felt like so many because my 17-year-old self was dealing with reading comments from like adult women or like just people who are even my age at that time hating on me. And I was like, oh my God. But then I took a step back and I realized, oh my gosh, this isn't a direct commentary about me as my trayee. This is about the fact that they don't feel represented. And that is completely valid and completely fair. But I also have to cut myself slack and I'm able to still be proud of Never Have I Ever because I can't be responsible for every single human being's representation because I can't make every single person proud. Also, as racialized women, believe it or not, I'm not going to agree with every single brown girl. I love being a brown girl. I love rapping brown girls. But I guarantee you there are brown girls out there that I simply will like morally disagree with. There's also that pressure that we have to stick by each other unequivocally just because of our melanin, because of our ethnic background. But Davy can only represent so many people. I, in my short 21 years of my life, I can only represent so many people. And if you can come on that ride with me, amazing. Happy to have you here. That's a privilege and an honor. If not, no hard feelings. I hope genuinely you have someone that you can. But to be honest, I hope that you have yourself because I would tell anyone who looks up to me to look up to themselves first and foremost. Period. Mic drop. I think it's so important that you said that because ultimately, like, I'm biracial, I'm black. Black women are not a monolith. Brown women, South Asian women are not a monolith. And I think that because there's so little representation, oftentimes we are expected to show and represent all of the myriad of stories and experiences in one person. It is impossible. But what I love about people like you is that you have a really unique opportunity over your career to share so many different stories of women that look like you. And that's what's really cool about being an actor, right? I'm looking forward to kind of seeing your journey and the stories that you tell over the years, right, in your career. And you'll learn from past stories, right? That's the beauty of my job. That's why I love being an actor. I get to portray so much and like live through so many different characters. And it's like, hey, if you didn't relate to Davey, maybe you'll relate to my next character or whatever it is. And if you don't relate to my face, you'll relate to like another brown actress that's bound to come because I like to think that we're only getting better with diversity and, you know, we're having more people show up and be able to take up bigger spaces, which is nice. So at Girl Boss Radio, we are obsessed with exploring people's experiences and definitions with success. So first and foremost, I'm curious, like, what is your definition of success? For me personally, success is feeling just proud because if I'm at a point where I can say I'm really proud of myself, I know I've felt success. I struggle to say I'm proud of myself. That might be the brown woman in me, but I do struggle to say like, hey, you did good. I'm really proud of who I am. I'm proud of what I did, what I accomplished. So if I can say that, then I feel like, yay. Perfect. So as of now, it's June 5th, 2023. Do you feel successful? You know, honestly, I do. I've never felt more proud of myself and confident in myself than this moment. Being able to look back on the entirety of the show and really like see what I did. I think for many years throughout the seasons, I didn't get to unpack how amazing it is of like what I achieved and what I pulled off, especially literally right out the gate into my career. But now I can a little bit better than before. So yes, sir. <laughs> amazing. And before we wrap up and get to our rapid fire in or out, I'm curious, like, what do you think is next for you in your career? What are you aspiring to? What are you hoping for? Is there a specific genre you want to dive into? 
There is so much I want to do. I mean, I love so many different genres, everything. I do love comedy, though, I will say. I love making people laugh. But I also am like, give me like an action, like an action comedy or like a thriller. I mean, I have my dream roles and there's so much that I want to accomplish. And I will say that I have learned, and this goes for like any industry, especially being a woman of color, if you're just marginalized really truly in any way, when you want something and you want a different position in whatever field you are in, you have to ask for it. You have to go out there and get it. I feel like sometimes people can say to me like, oh, you know, keep your strategy behind the curtain. You don't want to come across as desperate. But I'm like, yeah, okay." But sometimes the strategy behind the curtain just stays that you got to ask for what you want. You got to say what your dream roles are. You got to say the things that you want to achieve because some of us have to work faster, harder and quicker. It's true. And I think that when you actually put those asks out there, there are people that are looking for you that will find you. I love the idea and concept of building in public, whether it be your career or like an actual product or whatever. I think that putting those asks out to your community is really, really powerful because then people can actually find you and support you with it. And I mean, that's what this is all about. And I mean, in a capitalist system, girl, we should be doing that. (laughs) I mean, for me too, it helps to know that I'm doing everything I can to achieve my dreams. I get very frustrated if I feel like I'm not doing every single possible thing I can to get what I want. Amazing. I love it. Okay. So rapid fire, very quickly, in or out, social media breaks. Oh, in. Yes, that's a good in. Okay. Responding to online hate. Ooh, out. Don't, don't respond. Please don't do that. Don't give them more energy or airtime. Don't. Okay. Social media friends becoming real friends, like IRL. In, in, in. If it works, it works. If they became friends and it's legit, then you know what? Yeah, in, in, in. Asking for help. In, yeah. It should, like I say this like, I should do this more. So it's an in. I know that. A last and final one, talking openly, whether it be publicly or amongst friends, about your failures and fuck-ups. In, yes. Yeah, man. Let's be honest about it. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with us today. I got a lot out of it. I felt like I got to know you a lot better than I already felt that I knew you. But is there anything else you'd like to leave with folks before we wrap up? Go chase your dreams. Go chase your dreams and go put it out there. If you fail hard and like everyone is like, oh, wow, that, they didn't get it. Wow. They tried so hard. They like really put themselves out there and like that sucks. Well, they seem like a clown because they literally don't have the bravery and boldness to do what you just did. It takes real courage to put yourself out there and achieve your dreams. So go do it. That was cheesy. That was weird. No, I felt like I'm not joking. I felt like a bubble. Like there's been something I've been sitting on thinking whether I should do it or not. And honestly, I felt it. I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it now. Go do it and tell people that you want it. Let's say it doesn't pan out and you fail. Okay. You brush yourself off until you find a new dream. Yep. On to the next. Yeah, man. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Cool. All right. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to my chat with Maitri. I cannot wait to see what she does next. We're coming to the end of this season of Girl Boss Radio with just a few episodes to go. If you've been here since the beginning, I am so grateful for you. As we start to prep for our next season, leave a comment and let us know what we can do to make Girlboss Radio even better. Is there a guest you think I should interview? A topic I haven't covered yet? I want to hear it. 
As always, this podcast is produced by Liz Goober and Victoria Christie and edited by Diego Domine. Until next time, keep blooming.